If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of And Security for All. I hope you all had a great week. I can't believe it's actually Friday. It seems like this week flew. Um, It's been an amazing week for me because I was home all week and had some time to breathe and rejuvenate from all the travel of 2023. As most of you know, FutureCon events, we've been all over the country already this year and Canada in the past four months, and we are ramping up for about 15 or so more events for the remainder of 2023. FutureCon, we put on cybersecurity conferences all over North America. We've been having such a fun year. It's been really nice seeing all of our attendees, speakers, sponsors. 2023 feels um, like we're pretty close to being back to old times before COVID. We've had packed in-person events, and um, we are running all of our events in a hybrid mode. So that's been great. It's really the people that join us virtually. It's really not a COVID thing anymore. They join us just um, because maybe they're remote and can't get to our events. So we offer a platform that lets people still become educated and still gain their CPEs by being able to tune in virtually. So you guys should check us out. Check out futureconevents.com if you'd like to um, attend one of our events in person or live. They're a good time. We have lots of fun at our events people um we still have people saying this is the first time i've been out to a live event since covid so people are having a good time um seeing each other we always wrap every event up with a happy hour and um yeah it's been really good so definitely encourage you guys to check us out and um come out and see us we'd love to see you today my guest he's actually um a company that um, supports many of our events. Um, I have Vivin Sathan, he's from Manage Engine. And today we're going to talk about a fascinating topic that um, everyone's kind of talking about right now open AI and open, open AI and the impact on cybersecurity. For some of our listeners on Voice America, you may be wondering what is open AI, and we're about to find out all of it. We're going to break all this down with my guest, uh, Vivin. So, welcome to the show, Vivin. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Kim, for having me, and thank you, FutureCon, for this. Yeah, well, thanks for being here. So, uh, and am I saying it right? It's Vivin, right? You Vivian. got it right, Vivian. Okay, and Vivin today is here all the way from India. So, um, what time did you say it was in India? Well, it's it's 12.35. Yeah. 12.35, okay. So, are you used to be, are you a night owl, or are you a morning person? I mean, uh, I travel all across the globe, so uh, my body is kind of confused and used to all this. So <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying this. Well, that's good. That's good. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. You know, you, okay. you can find me up at two o'clock in the morning all the time. So all right. I, I feel like sometimes when you're working those late hours, you don't get bothered by a lot of people, but you're dealing with the United, you know, you're dealing with different countries. So you're probably sure. more active 
at that time. So how Let's did you how did you end up with Manage Engine? And um, tell us a little bit about you and how you got in the industry and how you ended up with Manage Engine and what what that's three questions you know how did you get into cybersecurity and how did you end up with manage engine and what are you doing currently what's your sure. role with them sure uh, i started my career in, in the year 2010 uh, as, a, as a technical trainer so um i uh, i was working for a company that supported uh, networking equipments and i actually tech i mean train technicians on on how to troubleshoot networking issues uh, small network issues, and I'll have to train them on the various products. And I was there for two years. And then from there, I moved to this company called Zoho Corporation. Uh, and by the way, Manage Engine is a division of Zoho Corporation. I started off my career as, as a pre-sales uh, uh, engineer. And then uh, now I am a senior technology consultant. So what do I do as a senior technology consultant is I do two things. One is I uh, get to travel the world and talk to the IT fraternity a lot uh, in various events of different formats, let's say uh, webinars, seminars, uh, workshops. And also the second thing that I do is I consult. Uh, I perform a regular health checks for organizations, risk assessments, and I also implement uh, identity and access management and IT security solutions in small, medium, and large enterprises. So one thing that I love about my job is, is uh, the interaction that I have with the IT fraternity. It's always been a learning experience. So, Well, we're happy that you're here with us today, and I'm very excited about this topic. It's been a hot topic lately, and I'm fascinated by the topic and been playing around with chat GPT and just learning just learning about it, and, and, and we'll get into that because I've sure. done a lot of things with it, and I'm very interested and and the subject. But before we go on to it, let me just do a couple of shout outs to a couple of our regular guests, Jonathan Kimmett, um, who is a CISO out there. Thanks for tuning in today, Jonathan. Hope everything's going good in Tulsa. And um, we have Michael Volzer, he, who he said, um, the most important part of a great security is understanding your insecurities. You know, amen to that, because that's what FutureCon is all about. And that's what the show is all about. So, so tell us a little bit, you know, we have two sides of our listeners. We have our listeners that are on LinkedIn Live. And, you know, most of them are secure, cybersecurity practitioners. So they know what mm -hmm. OpenAI is and ChatGPT and all of that. But our um, viewers from Voice America, as many of you know, on LinkedIn Live, we have a whole nother um, set of listeners, not viewers, on Voice America. And Voice America is a syndicated radio show, and you can find the podcast on Voice America anywhere where you listen to your podcasts. So um, this show is is called And Security for All. So many of our listeners, they're just tuning in to learn more about cybersecurity and what's going on with it and just educate themselves. So can you break down what OpenAI is before we even start talking about, you know, a lot of different questions I'd like to talk about? Sure. Uh, OpenAI, uh, as we all know, is an AI technology company, but they, they are not new to the business, but the most important uh, milestone in their company journey would be uh, the invention of ChatGPT. Uh, so we know what ChatGPT uh, can do, at least uh, from a media standpoint. Uh, I, I believe the last time we had such a bus is for crypto, and uh, now ChatGPT is all over the news. It's like uh, AI all of a sudden uh, you know, got the limelight it, it deserved. 
So all credits to ChatGPT. So basically, in simple terms, ChatGPT uh, is an AI chatbot that is designed on two things. One, it is designed on supervised machine learning. Supervised machine learning, if you're trying to break things up, um, break it up into simple terms, it works based on a labeled data set. So you give it a labeled data set, you tell it, uh, for example, you give it uh, the data set of animal pictures, you tell this is cat, this is dog, and this is a lion, this is a tiger, and you, uh, you tell or you instruct the algorithm to detect things based on that labeled data set. Whereas the second model that they use is, is the reinforced machine learning model. Reinforced machine learning model really does not need a data set to work. It works based on feedback. For example, you ask the chatbot, what is nine times 11? And it tells you uh, 98. And then you tell it, no, no, uh, I think you're wrong. Uh, it's 99. So it, again, works on based on the input. It performs a check. And then it comes back to you saying that, well, I've done my check. I have a large data set that I can work on. You're right. It's 99 and so on and so forth. So these two uh, learning methodologies are the core of chat GPT. And it's, it's, it's doing some really good things. And it is, uh, I think, it can also be used for not so good things too. So that's, that's a simple introduction to OpenAI and its product, ChatGPT. And for those people out there that don't know, um, you know, you can just, you can just go to do a Google search on ChatGPT and it'll go right to, right to the tool. And it's a free tool as of now. Um, but you can see rapidly you know, I don't, I, I find that when you go there, I've been getting my answers pretty quick when I put questions into chat GPT, but um, it definitely is something that's about to change the world, I believe. So what are your thoughts on that? Exactly. I mean, I felt the same too. I mean, I, I work, uh, I've experienced uh, chat GPT, so I work with chat GPT. One thing that I uh, really uh, find fascinating is that uh, the way in which uh, that bot gives you the output. The, out, the output is kind of conversational. You don't feel like you are interacting with a regular chat bot uh, as we uh, always used to do. This is much more refreshing uh, from a conversational standpoint. And one good thing is you can follow your questions in the sense you ask it, uh, you ask ChatGPT a specific question and you get the answer. Uh, you want to go to the next step, you ask uh, ChatGPT a follow-up question, and it gives you the answers for that, too. It remembers the first answer, and most of the answers that it gives you is based on the first context. So it makes it a lot more interesting. And yes, of course, it is given a large, large data model, uh, data set to work with, and, and uh, we'll have to wait and see what the future holds for ChatGPT and its relevance in cybersecurity. It is interesting. Last week I had a guest on and I was rushing, just got back in town from one of our events and um, she, I put her bio in ChatGPT and I just put her name in there. To, she had given me her bio, but it was really long. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to introduce it. So I asked ChatGPT, can you break this down for me and condense it? So without doing my research, <laughs> I went to introduce her. And then she's like, well, I have a correction. That is not the company I work for. That's my, so ChatGPT was wrong. <laughs> but it was kind of, it, it, it was good. You know, it was like, I fessed up. 
told her that I put it in chat GPT and uh, for this platform, it was okay. You know, it wasn't super yep. embarrassing because I confessed what I did. So, um, so you definitely have to be careful, but I find it so fascinating and, and we'll get into the more technical pieces of it in a minute. Cause I'm just kind of talking sure. about the fun pieces of it right now. Um, it's interesting because I put my bio in there and I thought, well, my bio is really old and outdated. So let me just throw my bio in there. And it came up with things that I didn't have in my bio from before, you know, like I was in the military and I was on the SWAT team. I was on the SWAT team and I never had that in writing anywhere, but, um, and it had, you know, that there was only a few women in there, but there was an interview that I did a long time ago. So I guess okay. I found that. So I found that I was like, wow, how did it know that, you know, but it, it is, it's not, you know, it is definitely collecting, you know, from every bits and pieces that you have out there about yourself, but how much of it is manufactured. And the reason I say that is because on a different note, I was listening to a podcast and it was nothing to do with cybersecurity. It was more some Hollywood type people and they were under the impression, you know, they're like, well, we asked it you know, political questions and, 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 and I haven't put those questions into the chat GPT. So I don't know if they were using a different chat, but they said that they felt like it was very manufactured answers. And I don't really agree with that. Like what, what, what do you think about that? Do you think, you know, where do you think they're uh, pulling their information from? What we said was on point, uh, but the, but the whole point here is the difference between chat GPT and other uh, regular chat bots uh, I call them regular because they are really uh, regular uh, when compared to ChatGPT. Uh, is is that how quickly uh, the algorithm learns from the mistake that it commits? Uh, say, for example, you have ChatGPT version 3, 3.5, and you have ChatGPT 4. Look at the difference. So 3.5 uh, was able to scale to a certain level uh, of in terms of output, whereas 4 is on a different level altogether. Okay. Uh, talking about its technical aspect, talking about uh, uh, the user experience, it has evolved. So maybe the next time you ask ChatGPT to write a bio for you, uh, it'll get the answers right. Yeah, and, and, and I do like the conversation of it because it is like you're just having a conversation with just a friend, you know. Absolutely. So, so but um, Jonathan has a question, Jonathan Kimmon. Um, he said, do you believe that the tools like ChatGPT are more efficient way to search for information on a specific data set like browser for internet slash info? I really believe that. Uh, I mean, thank you for uh, the, the, the wonderful question, Jonathan. Uh, so uh, I really believe the, the output of ChatGPT uh, is, is directly proportional to the precision of your input. So if you are more precise uh, with your input, then the output is going to be uh, more accurate. So if you do not give ChatGPT the right context okay, for a specific item that you're searching or a specific uh, project that you're involved in with ChatGPT, then the output is going to be very generic. So it's going to be very much different from a browser-based search. Uh, for example, if I do something in Google, if I search for a specific item in Google, I get five, uh, you know, five or ten links, and then I'll have to go through all the links, correlate them, and then arrive at an understanding. Whereas the summarizing part of, of the content that you consume is, is very well done or is very well taken care in ChatGPT. So that's what I feel, the precision of input is directly correlated with the precision of output. 
So what are, this is a very, very basic question, but um, what, you know, cause I ask non-technical people that are in my world, you know, that aren't in, you know, the industry, mm-hmm. do you know what chat GPT is? No, I have no idea. So what would you tell them the differences of that basis, a Siri on your phone? Okay. Um, for a student, I would uh, answer it like this. Um, if they want uh, a 200 uh, word essay, or let's say uh, a two-page essay to be written for them on a specific topic in less than uh, you know two minutes, uh, that's chat GPT for you. So it makes things a lot more easier. So if, if you were to ask an IT administrator uh, what are the benefits or what are the benefits of using chat GPT, how do you convince me? Well, uh, how, how about you getting a, getting your hands on a script that can give you the list of users in your infrastructure that have passwords uh, uh, set to expire or whose password have expired or whose last login date is greater than 60 days. How about you get a one-liner query for all that? So that is chat GPT for you. So instead of you going through multiple resources and find, then finding out which one is legit when which one is not legit, uh, it gives you step-by-step instructions for everything that uh, you want, okay? right from um, the, the basics of a specific topic, be it a script or be it an essay, all the way to the most advanced stuff of that specific vertical is right there in, in ChatGPT. So what do you think um, are some of the fears like right now, you know, from the last time I saw, I haven't checked in the last few days, but you know, you got the strike of the Writers Guild in Hollywood. Um, I mean, they got to be pretty freaked out right now with, you know, because I've heard that some movies have already been, you know, written by an AI. Um, like there's been some controversy on some, you know, the movies that are out there. So what do you think the future holds for, you know, the writers of Hollywood with this tool? <laughs> Now we're going to be talking about the other side of the coin, okay? Uh, the writers of Hollywood, I believe they would still uh, have the upper hand, okay? For, because ChatGPT gives you uh, a conversational response, agreed, but is that conversational response uh, lacking that human touch? The answer is yes, uh, at least for now, okay? Uh, I'm not sure how ChatGPT is going to evolve in the future, and I cannot even, uh, you know, make a guess. But I really believe, at least for now, oh, uh, you know, all the script writers um, can can be sure that they are not going to be, uh, you know, overtook by or overtaken by ChatGPT because the human element is still missing. I'm talking about it from a script writing standpoint. I'm not just talking about a regular conversation that you have with a bot. I'm talking about uh, bringing in emotions to characters that they write. So. It's, it's going to be there. But when you talk about chat GPT from a cybersecurity standpoint, that's a different story altogether. We'll talk about it uh, in just a moment. And, you know, talking about having the human side of it, I have a friend of mine whose uh, mother is a professor at a, a pretty um, a pretty good school, university, and she played around with it like she had an assignment so for her students and she threw it into chat GPT several times to see what mm-hmm. kind of papers came back. And she said she wouldn't have known that it was not the student, but the papers were like a C plus, like B minus type paper. 
So if you were okay with the C plus B minus paper, then it would be okay, but you yep. weren't going to get an A paper by doing it. So I, I found that kind of interesting. But so, exactly. so we're talking about all the fun facts, you know, of, you know, cause it's very fun to talk about, you know, but, mm -hmm. but let, let's go on the other side of things, you know, what, what do you think is going to change and, and how do you think it's going to affect some of the insider threats, you know, and, and all the issues that we have on a day-to-day -day basis already, how do you think it's going to, you know, what, what are these security teams and these companies, what should they be fearful about on, on the negative side of it? Well, uh, if you just open up Google and then go to uh, the news section and type in chat GPT data leaks, uh, you'll get a whole bunch of stories uh, for the answer. One classic example is, I'm not going to pick names here, but um, an employee of, of a very big organization, uh, you know, gave chat GPT some, um, uh, you know, PIIs that are not just related to that individual, but also some company information along just to get a project completed. And there was a flaw in ChatGPT on the 24th of March, and you had the same old PIIs getting exposed uh, to the external world, so thereby compromising the entire uh, company as well as the individual. So people get excited when they see new technology, and the marketing spin around it is so much so that you cannot avoid uh, uh, trying ChatGPT. So when you try ChatGPT without understanding where to draw a line, that's when things get a bit uh, complicated. And that's exactly uh, what's happening in some of the cases where users given personally identifiable information uh, for some reason and they expect output and they are thrilled to receive an output without realizing the fact that there is a possibility for uh, a code breach and that could expose their PIIs uh, to the external world. So what's the resolution for situations like that? Well, How do it, we probe? It is what? multifold. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. So uh, the resolution is, is kind of multifold, and uh, I will take a practical approach to this. And by the way, this is my observation. If you are going to tell users to not use ChatGPT, that's not going to work. Uh, but user education goes to a certain extent. I'm not saying user education shouldn't happen. It has to happen. But when you have something or when you're onboarding something as ChatGPT to your organization, it has to be more policy-based. So you will have to frame a policy and you'll have to ensure that policy is mandated. Only then users will be able to um, follow the guidelines. If there are no guidelines in place, then you can only hope and pray that things go well. But in, we have seen that more often than not, uh, it's not happened that way in the past because uh, users have this mindset that IT security is more of an IT administrator's job and not uh, a responsibility that they should be holding. So as long as the mindset doesn't change, technologies like ChatGPT uh, are going to be kind of uh, a tricky uh, technology piece to handle. Jonathan um, had a question question or a comment. He said, inappropriate sharing of new technology is common. It happened with many other tools, Grammarly, virus tools, Reddit, etc. So what other, what, what kind of examples do you know about what he's talking about? Okay. 
let's say, for example, uh, I mean, talking about Reddit or Grammarly, all that, uh, are, I mean, all those tools uh, process data to a certain extent, whereas data processing of ChatGPT is on a different level. Okay, ChatGPT not just answers basic questions like, hey, uh, uh, will you be able to give me um, a script for uh, creating user accounts? ChatGPT can also uh, find bugs in your code to a certain extent, and then it, it can give it to you. For example, you give it a PHP uh, block, and you ask it to decode it for you. It can do that for you. So you are not talking about a regular uh, tool or an assistant. You are talking about a virtual IT administrator at your assistant with full power. So you are basically talking to a genie out of the lamp. So we better be careful of what we wish for. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. And when you think about, you know, I'm going to ask you about, you know, some of the changes in the in, with insider threats in this post-pandemic world. But it's kind of crazy. I thought about it the other day. Like, we just went through a pandemic in our life. And it, it, it's really like we're going to be in history books. And it's crazy to think that we just went through that. You know, like, oh, it's, yes. it's, it's, it's just so mind-blowing that that just happened and we came out and we're all okay well not everyone i i i you know yeah. a lot of people didn't come out of it okay you know we're, we're and we're still you know there's still the medical industry you know is really suffering you know i my doctor yesterday was telling me they're three years behind to catch up and there's so, so there's lots of things we're not out of it so i definitely don't want anyone to say think i'm bragging that we're out of this home free but um, what do you think are some of the changes about the insider threats, you know, um, in this post-pandemic world? Well, that's a very interesting question. So when you talk about insider threats, uh, let's first talk about uh, the traditional approach that we had, uh, or the traditional network models. Now, traditionally, network models uh, operated inside of four walls. So you had everything inside four walls. You, you had your users, uh, the applications that they access, um, the devices, and to a certain extent, the networks where everything within four walls, inside, uh, in the sense, uh, defined corporate perimeter, let's call it. Now, ever since the pandemic hit us, we are talking about a different story. People had to work from home. And what that meant for the IT team is they had to expand the IT infrastructure to cater to the uh, users working from home. So uh, in, in other words, the data which was uh, initially inside your traditional parameter uh, had to be taken outside, had to be stored outside your corporate network. And we have seen that in, in almost all the organizations that, were, that operated hybrid or uh, supported remote work. So with that, uh, the scope of insider threat has further broadened. So now you have more data points to monitor. So there's no clear demarcation of what is office and what is not office. Earlier, uh, location used to be a trust factor. So if you say, for example, if the location of the user accessing a piece of information is X, then the user can be allowed access to that piece of information. Now, location is not a trust factor because people no longer just work from their corp traditional corporate perimeter. They work from coffee shops. They work from homes. So the network parameter has broadened. There's no clear demarcation of what is corporate network and what is not corporate network. And they access corporate data from a variety of devices, not just their corporate devices anymore. They access corporate data from their personal devices, from different networks, 
not just carpet, but on the other side, the scope has further broadened. And that's the thing I see. Uh, when I talk to organizations, when I go on for assessments, uh, this is one that I see. You're kind of cutting out. You're, you're kind of cutting out a little bit there. The traditional uh, network. Um. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Vivian. Oh, you're kind of uh, your Wi-Fi. Yeah, your Wi-Fi is kind of going in and out there. Hopefully, uh, you're back with us. Well, while uh, while he's he's trying oh, to. Come uh, yes, I am. Okay. Uh, no. Okay, you're back with us. So you were saying, you want to recap what you just said? Well, sometimes okay, when we're I was just uh, saying that um, <laughs> um, no, I was just saying that the, the parameter that, that we are in is has, has broadened the scope of insider threats because data is getting stored increasingly outside uh, the traditional corporate network. So we have no more data points to monitor. Um, so we can call it data monitoring before the pandemic and data monitoring after the pandemic from an insider threat standpoint. So we have more things to think about. We'll have to redefine our insider threat program. We, um, you know, a lot on this show, we talk about, you know, nation state, bad actors. And, you know, we haven't, we haven't had anyone on the show talking about that recently, but how do you think, you know, when they saw what OpenAI did and they put this tool out, ChatGPT, what are the benefits to them? What do you think, you know, were they, you know, what, what do you think the pluses are going to be for them if you're looking at it from a bad actor standpoint? All right. Uh, talking about bad actors in general, um, well, this tool can be used both ways. Uh, this can be used by, uh, I mean, for red teaming, this can be used for blue teaming, and this can also be used for uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, offensive tactics. Let me, let me, um, I am someone who's not a writer. So if I want ChatGPT to give me, let's say, a PHP reverse shell for an attack, all I want, Want, uh, all I have to do is just ask ChatGPT, give me a PHP reverse shell one-liner, and it gives me a sample script explaining what should I be doing with the script, what are the parameters, uh, so on and so forth. So the whole point here is this tool can empower uh, a regular, uh, let's say, an amateur attacker uh, to the level of a professional uh, the way it explains technology, the way it simplifies technology is, is, is mind-blowing. You'll have to experience it for yourself. So we cannot cap uh, or put a certain limit on the, uh, on the, you know, on, on the powers of charging when it comes to offensive. Well, what, um, yeah, we're having a lot of problems with your Wi-Fi. Hopefully, uh, but you are, you're all the way over in India. Sorry. <laughs> um, you were perfect before, and then you started uh, started uh, cutting in and out. So hopefully, hopefully you'll get back. Um, okay. So, what are some of the you know if you're if you're 
what are teams like as far as, you know, you working for Manage Engine, you know, what are you guys doing to proactively, you know, watch out for these bad actors and what, what kind of things are you seeing? What suspicious behaviors were you, can you catch early on and what are you seeing early on? All right. Um, one thing that we started doing almost, uh, you know, f uh, five, six years ago is we wanted to uh, shift our focus from traditional log management or log auditing to understanding user behaviors. Uh, let me try to uh, make it uh, a lot more simpler. So if I give you my laptop, for example, and I give you my username and password, and I ask you to work with my laptop for 30 minutes straight, now your behavioral pattern in my laptop is going to be very much different from my behavioral pattern in the same laptop. Because even though it's the same laptop, same username and password, we are talking about two different uh, individuals interacting with the laptop. So we have two different data models. So if you are just sticking to the traditional, uh, let's say, log auditing, and if you're looking at events and all that, everything looks good on the surface level. But if you look at behaviors, well, why is Vivin all of a sudden behaving, I mean, behaving differently uh, from the last six months data model. So data modeling is where we are investing heavily in terms of research and development. And I think with ChatGPT in the mix, that's the way forward. So you will have to have more accuracy in decoding behaviors. You'll have to focus not just on deviations in human behaviors, but also uh, deviations in entity behaviors too. Say for example, uh, I am a user with no bad intent, okay? But I am negligent and I click or download something that I shouldn't have and now my laptop is infected. And my laptop could now be, uh, you know, a, um, a call center to an attacker, can be a target. So how am I going to differentiate uh, a user behavior deviation from an entity behavior deviation? So that's when you'll have to focus on um, entity profiling as well as user profiling, and that's where uh, we are at from uh, managing as a company standpoint. Well, what what would your advice be to security teams, like if they believe? Because you know we were talking earlier about how Chat GPT we still need the human side of it, which I find very fascinating. Because when I'm chatting with it, it seems like I am talking to a human. So. Um, but I understand what you're saying when we were talking about the movies. There's still the emotional stuff that has yep. to be written by writers. But how do we know, like, security teams now, because it's so easy, and, and your certifications that security teams have to get are pretty tough. So do you think that it's, it's going to weaken security teams because they may take the easy way out to use chat GPT to get some of their certifications. I don't know what that looks like and if that's possible, but I think it's in every, every spectrum it's with students at school, it's everywhere, but, but is it a concern for the security teams? Um, yes and no. Um, but, uh, but I really believe that uh, it all boils down to, um, at the end of the day, the, the, the value that you bring to the table uh, as an IT administrator or as a student. Uh, say, for example, uh, there's this uh, famous uh, framework called, uh, you know, the KSA framework. K stands for knowledge, S stands for skill, and A stands for uh, uh, the abilities. So 
ChatGPT helps you with K, which is it gives you the knowledge. So you ask ChatGPT any question, be it advanced or basic, it gives you the answers. Okay? So that's the knowledge part, and ChatGPT stops there. Now, with that knowledge, are you going to develop your skill set? That is, again, based on that individual. ChatGPT can help you, uh, you know, uh, get, a get a certification, take the short route. Okay? Uh, that's okay. But what about your abilities? When you are in your job, when you are given a task to complete, and when you have a project to handle, how are you going to deliver? Is your level of confidence equal to your competence? Because when you are confident at something just because you have a certification and you have an incident that you'll have to handle and you don't have the competence to match your confidence, well, that's a strict no, especially in IT. Okay. So uh, that's why I really believe that even though uh, ChatGPT helps you with the knowledge part uh, of the KSA framework, the skills and the abilities are still uh, pretty much in control with the humans. So we are still in pretty good shape. And just talking about cybersecurity, uh, we need not be worried about ChatGPT taking away a lot of our uh, cybersecurity jobs because at the end of the day, it's still skills and abilities that gets work done. No matter how knowledgeable you are, uh, it all boils down to how that knowledge translates into action. Well, and where I was kind of going with that question, and I kind of took a left turn on it, is, you know, what advice um, would you give to the security teams when they believe, you know, an employee is compromising something or could compromise the organization on an internal level? Because we always say, you know, that zero trust, you know, it's, it's usually goes back to people, you know, people in the organization. So, you know, what advice would you give security teams and how do they monitor you know, what, what the, maybe not even on the security teams, maybe even on the rest of the organization, you know, again, doing things that they shouldn't be doing on their laptop. All right. So one thing that I would suggest is, I mean, I've been on uh, such incident analysis, RCA uh, programs and projects. So one thing that I ask is, uh, are you acting based on evidence? And when I say evidence, technically speaking, how solid is the evidence? And what are the data points that you monitored or that you had in hand in the first place to arrive at the conclusion that this user uh, has performed something that is deviating from uh, the regular behavior, or in other words, offensive, okay? So setting the right indicators of compromise uh, as a part of your uh, security practices goes a long way in identifying the right threat actor. Because the last thing you want to do is to accuse a dedicated employee of doing something bad. So instead of doing that, which is going to hurt the morale of the employee as well as the company, all you have to do is to ensure that the IT security process has the right indicators of compromises in place. So when all the indicators of compromises go off, you know for sure that this is an incident and this needs to be matured. So set as many IOCs as possible in the most required areas and just wait for them to go off and then start your investigation. Don't jump to a conclusion and thereby hurting the morale of both the parties involved. How are these businesses supposed to even keep up with the fast pace of, you know, they're probably, I, I can imagine, you know, I, I'm not on the practitioner side, I'm not a vendor, so I, 
I, you know, I only hear what I hear at our events and what I hear from my guests, but you know, it's like right when you get, you think you got everything fixed then something else new comes out. So how, what is your advice to, you know, these corporations and the security teams, how do they stay ahead of the fast pace of, you know, everything that's happening in the industry? Well, uh, the answer is going to be specifically about uh, the impact of ChatGPT because that's the thing uh, at the moment. So what I would uh, request uh, the listeners, uh, especially the people from the IT fraternity to do is uh, think about building a strong threat hunting team. I know that you have red teams and blue teams, but please think about a dedicated threat hunting team that leverages artificial intelligence. Because uh, when the person on the other end, let's say you are in a battle and the enemy has uh, sophisticated machine guns and you're standing with a Beretta 9mm, uh, you are a no, a no match. So you better be equipped with AI and use AI to, uh, you know, to look for threats because no matter how good the tool is, at the end of the day, um, the effectiveness of any AI program is still the human that is involved in the, uh, in the project. So only a human can think like an adversary, can prepare for the defenses that uh, the adversary might actually bring into your organization. So that still requires a human element, but the source has to be AI because on the other end, attackers are now uh, using AI for all kinds of activities, right from a basic uh, phishing email, drafting a phishing email, all the way up to, uh, you know, creating a PHP uh, shell command. Uh, they are doing all kinds of stuff, so we better be ready. Uh, and that's why I really believe that you have to have a dedicated threat hunting team in place that leverages AI, apart from your regular red team and blue team. It's so... Um... You know, we all are so vulnerable, like just just uh, and something that happened to me. I got a call this week, you know, from my accountant. You know, I, I know it was a phishing scheme. I know it was. It was from the IRS. And I, I had to say to him, I, don't, I, I think you're wrong. I think you better go see who just emailed you. You know, I, I don't believe I didn't get anything in the mail. I don't believe this was meant for me, you know, and. So, so, you know, we're, we're just as vulnerable as the people that we use, our banks and our accountants. And, you know, had I not been somewhat educated, you know, in, in you know, these phishing schemes, you know, I could see myself. And, and I, I feel bad for other clients that could just be, you know, someone else in a different field that could get caught up in something, you know, some of these phishing schemes. So, you know, I guess it's all of our, you know, duty to, you know, help other people out there that are not educated with these phishing attacks. But it, it's just so scary with AI and some of these things that are happening. Um, what do you think, e even though AI is changing the world and will continue, mm -hmm. you know, it'll continue to progress and we'll, we'll see things that, you know, will happen far beyond, you know, our lifetimes. But what do you think our biggest, you know, should we be reactive to some of the things happening? What would your advice be, even though AI is, you know, a cool thing, there's also so many fears about it. Okay. 
One thing is we'll have to draw, uh, you know, uh, the line between fear mongering and uh, education. When I say user education, I'm not just referring to corporate user education. So you, if you are aware of uh, the various aspects of ChatGPT, the good and the bad, it's high time that you tell your kids, tell your parents, especially the elders, because they are more vulnerable, um, that this is a piece of technology that can be used in a various ways. And these are the common ways by which uh, people get compromised and we better be careful. For example, you have uh, the very famous uh, uh, wishing scam and you have um, you know, deep fakes. So it's high time that we educate our near and dear ones first who are technically naive. And then we think about the, the corporate aspect and uh, training our employees and all that. So if we do that, I think we will be able to uh, you know, prevent at least most of the attacks that are targeted um, these technically naive user groups uh, who, you know, uh, unfortunately are about uh, 60s um, and they have no idea about these deep fakes and no idea about these AI generated uh, scams and all that. So we'll have to give them uh, a bit of a heads up about the things that are going in the, are going out of the market because this has a direct financial impact on any family or any individual that gets hit. And yeah, there's um, just something I was talking about. I, I went to my annual physical yesterday. I was talking to my doctor and um, we were just talking about he he was getting ready to try to figure out there's a new AI tool that like scans your heart, you know, and can pick up like like really things that nothing else can pick up if you're going to have a heart attack and insurance doesn't cover that yet. And I'm like, well, that's really cool, you know, so we're going to see some really cool things in you know, the medical industry that are going to save lives. But insurance isn't keeping up with it, so you'll have to pay out of your pocket for a lot of that stuff. And what he was telling me is that the hospitals aren't prepared to take cash. So, so he's trying to figure out how to use this tool, but they don't want to take cash, but they don't take insurance. So I find that kind of humorous, you know, like, like we're going to get stuck in just these awkward it's, places it's, it's, that people don't know what to do. Absolutely. I mean, you do not know whether to be happy that you're uh, about the fact that you're alive or you're better off, you know, uh, on the other side. Yeah, so, just, be, just yeah. be old school and just what happens happens, you know, do, do you know, yes. but I don't know, is it what is it like, you know, in India? Are you seeing a lot of progression? Like what kind of changes are you seeing with AI and chat GPT in a different country than where I am or where we are or many of us? Okay. Um, one of the uh, major uh, advancements that I see, I mean, in I'm not talking about the good aspects here, uh, the not so good aspects is um, there is a specific group that targets, uh, you know, um, technically naive users here uh, using well-crafted uh, phishing emails and also phishing messages. And wishing is speaking of wishing is voice-based phishing. So they call you saying that, uh, you know, your uh, identity is blocked in the sense we have this uh, card, uh, we have this uh, something similar to the US, uh, you have the SSN, we have the Aadhaar here. So they call you saying that your Aadhaar is blocked and in order to unblock the Aadhaar, you'll have to uh, do this. They actually uh, direct you to a legit looking 
uh, site um, that they claim to be from the income tax department and they ask you to key in your credentials and that opens up the whole uh, uh, nasty Pandora's box, sorry to say. So we've seen a lot of phishing attacks off late and very disturbing, uh, sorry to put that out like that, but very disturbing uh, deep fakes being generated using AIs uh, that is being used to, you know, threaten people, blackmail them and for, for in return for money and all that. So, and the law enforcement is doing its bit to uh, arrive at some sort of uh, uh, a guideline to minimize the impact of all this. And also they are thinking of ways by which they can curtail uh, the moment of such uh, high power technology uh, to wrong hands. So, so policy decision makers are now working uh, very focused on, on trying to uh, minimize the impact of all these things. So that's the kind of uh, events that are being seen in, in this part of the world. So speaking of deep fakes, you know, we didn't talk a lot about that. Where do you think, you know, we were with that before, you know, pre-COVID to now? Because did we, I mean, that's, again, going back to, you know, just, just, our whole social, you know, like social media and everything, you know, there, there's so much talk, you know, like, again, I have younger, you know, I have kids in their you know, younger 20s. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm around a lot of, you know, younger stuff that, you know, mm -hmm. that's happening. And so I, I shamefully, I guess I, I do follow a lot of the social media that's going on out there. But there's, you know, so much talk of deep fakes. Is it just catching up or do you think it's been there? Is it just catching up with society in a whole, but the cybersecure world knew this was happening? Like, what is your take on that? Because we're he hearing so much about deep fakes right now. Okay. Uh, I'm afraid it's catching up. Um, one thing that I really believe is, is uh, uh, the, the only way to move forward or the only way to overcome this specific roadblock is to go back to the traditional way of, uh, you know, never trust, always verify. I know that's a tagline for zero trust, but um, zero trust is, is not uh, something just, I mean, that John Kinderwag came up with. Uh, but we used to have that zero trust principle. When you are, uh, you know, given something new to consume, uh, be it in the form of a content or be it a person, you don't trust the person 100%, uh, especially when you are in unfamiliar grounds. If you are in familiar grounds, that's okay. But when you're on unfamiliar grounds and when you, uh, when you meet a new person on, or when something new is given to you to, for you to consume, you always take it with a pinch of salt. You verify and then you consume. I think we'll have to reinforce that habit uh, to social media, especially to the younger generation, not to consume anything without verifying. For example, they go through news feeds and they have five news uh, snippets and three of them might be, uh, let's say, uh, fake ones. And how do you know which one is fake, which one is not? Well, first, consume only what is required. And when you fix a particular topic as required, then comes the whole point of verification because you cannot verify anything and everything that is uh, going on in social media. So we'll have to be really selective on what we consume, not physically, but also digitally, and then verify and then consume. I think that's the only way forward because technology is going to advance. We cannot stop that. We cannot fight it. 
we cannot ban children from using ChatGPT because it has a lot of benefits as well. So we'll have to ensure that uh, we actually enforce or reinforce the habit of verify and then consume. First, fix whether it's required or not. And after you fix, that's required, verify and then consume. So since ChatGPT is only been, you know, around for six, what, six months, you know, what, what's your predictions of what we're going to see months, from, yeah. a, from a year from now? I don't know. Seriously, <laughs> I don't know. Because, uh, you know, if you look at version, uh, ChatGPT version 3 and 3.5, and now you look at version 4, uh, well, they made a lot of advancements. The algorithm is doing a lot of, uh, you know, uh, unbelievable uh, work in terms of uh, predicting uh, behaviors, in terms of, um, you know, listening to feedback and then improving its own output and all that. Uh, with this space, we uh, cannot predict what uh, the next version is going to be. So we'll have to wait and watch. So hopefully um, we get to see uh, a version of chat GPT that has a lot of beneficiary aspects uh, or beneficial aspects rather than uh, the adversary uh, side of it. So that's what I hope for, but let's see. Well, it's interesting because, you know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of things to say, like Elon Musk is like, this needs to slow down. Well, I don't think we can slow it down. I think we're past that, but we are down to two minutes of the show. And one of the things that we always come back to is zero trust. Zero trust, we always come back to it. So, you know, if you had to leave our listeners with any advice, you know, for, you know, in one minute, you know, what would your advice be? And as it pertains to chat GPT and AI and zero trust. Okay. Uh, one advice that I would uh, like to give to the people listening is be like my neighbor. Okay. My neighbor never trusts anyone. So zero trust is the right there. I mean, nah, just kidding. So um, all I would say is, uh, you know, zero trust or no zero trust, uh, chat GPT or no chat GPT. Tomorrow there might be another thing that's going to disrupt the market um, in a big way. Uh, uh, I would like to close this conversation on a positive note. Uh, chat, I mean, I'm talking about the influence impact of chat GPT in cybersecurity. So chat GPT is not going to take away a lot of jobs. So let's try to calm people. It is still going to need that human element because, as I mentioned earlier, the KSA framework, the knowledge, the skills and the abilities framework clearly tell you that even though you gain knowledge from ChatGPT, the skills and the abilities still are in control and the, the human element is required for us to move forward. All right, so, we are uh, we are down to 30 seconds and we are going to get cut off, uh, Vivian. So I am so sorry about that, but everyone go check out uh, Vivian uh, Sathian. He is a senior technology consultant at uh, Soho Corp, uh, manage engine, a division of Soho Corp. Everyone, thanks so much. Uh, thank you, Vivian, for uh, uh, being our guest today. Everyone, I hope everyone out there has a happy Mother's Day for all the moms out there. Take care of your moms and uh, acknowledge your mothers and you all have a great weekend and we will see you next Friday. Everyone stay safe and stay secure and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. 
Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. Are you a cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher.